You're listening to the Versus Node Podcast, presented by GamerNode.com. Welcome to episode 62 of the Versus Node Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Anzato, back again with the man who puts the blood into Bloodborne. <laughs> no words. I just I don't even know what to say. <laughs> uh, back again with Mr. Sinan Koba. How are you, sir? Uh, <laughs> the blood uh, into Bloodborne. Uh, I'm really good, actually. I'm a, I'm good. Uh, it's okay. like it's it's Good Friday over here, uh, so uh. it's a bank holiday, and it's also a bank holiday on a Monday, which means four day weekend. Nice. I mean, you know, I'm freelancing, so technically I can take four day weekends whenever I want. But you know, you still, I'm still going to enjoy the four day weekend. <laughs> How about you? How are you? Good, because because I'm sick. So that always makes it a good time. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's it's also a holiday. I don't have to move my car from the side of the street for street sweeping. That's good. And I'm just chilling. You have to do that, do that every day? Uh, four days out of the week. That sucks. Yeah. This is why I don't have a car. Also because I can't drive. But, you know, the other reason would be <laughs> whatever you were doing with <laughs> your car. Um. Yeah, video games. I mean, can we just put it out there? We're not going to talk about the one video game that I've been playing the most. Oh, speaking of which, I figured it out. You're the man who puts the soul into demon souls. There you go. There you go. I'd have gone with I'm the man who puts the two into Dark Souls 2. Which <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so we can't talk about that game. Because you have not played it. And right. it would be, a, I did not think, like we were saying before the show, there's any way for uh, for me to cover it without spoiling it to hell. Basically, it would be a disaster for me. Yeah. And that's why we're not going to talk. What I would say to anyone who's listening is that uh, we will be talking about it in the next Game Critics podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, and I know there are going to be a lot of different views on that show. Hmm. Yeah, you've got some purists over there. Well, it's, it's a very strong Souls base there. You know, Dark yeah. Souls 2 split the crowd uh, yeah, yeah. at Game Critics. And I, I think Bloodborne will split the crowd at Game Critics. You must have avoided social media like crazy for the last few days. Oh, yeah, I don't really look at anything. I, I don't. It's, it, I mean, my feed is, is is full of pictures and screenshots and things. So Yeah, I listen to podcasts. They say Bloodborne. Once they mention it, I skip ahead like... 25 minutes see if they're done talking about it i i would i would save a good 30 to 40 for us on game critics like yeah. it's gonna be a big i'm one. expecting it to be the whole show i'm just gonna no, we, I, we, it won't be a very well it's gonna bleed i you know what well, i feel like you have to play bloodborne before you listen to that show in general like it's gonna bleed into the whole show you know how we are yeah. um but hey uh it's not like that's the only game that's out no there's resident evil oh you've been playing that I played it a little bit. It's exactly the same old game. 
It's great. Well, when you say, what well, do you mean it's the same old game now? Which same old game are you talking about? I'm talking about the remake, the remaster. Ah, remaster. HD. Hold yeah, on. I just wanted to mention that because I tried it. We we spoke about it a little bit uh, yes. two shows ago or last show. And um, I just wanted to throw in my two cents that it it feels exactly the same. Um, and as for the controls, I find that like both of them are kind of crappy. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. really, it's aged a lot, that, yeah. that system. They have done a really marvellous job with the visuals, it has to be said. I mean, it's, you know, people, you know, uh, console-loving, graphics-loving doodads are going to look at it and go, oh, it doesn't look as good as Killing Stuff 7. Um, <laughs> it, but, it, you know, compared to the original game, it's it's ridiculous um, how, much, how much effort and work has gone into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's essentially, it's the Final Fantasy VII remake for that game, right? It's that's what they've done for it. They've given it a huge spruce up. It look is it is a remake more than an HDification to me. Mm. What would you think? What do you say? Well, I mean, in terms of me- mechanics and uh, the progression through the game, it's the same as the GameCube one. Yeah, but visually, I mean, I would say that. It, that it's just the thing is I think people won't have played the GameCube game which obviously just takes its assets from that game right it makes it HD but so I think when you compare it to the original the original original oh like, yeah 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 it's totally it's got it's, a lot of differences they yeah. they changed a lot of the layout of the of the mansion yeah yeah that was a big deal when it came out on GameCube and that's why I think it, it I think that's why it works because I think honestly most people probably did not get around to that GameCube um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, considering the GameCube audience and the Resident Evil audience, and right. the amount of overlap between those two audiences. So, I mean, for someone like me, I didn't get around to the GameCube game. I treat it like it's it's you know the next the second time I played that game, and it's just such a huge difference. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. If that's the case, then yeah, then you're certainly going to see a big difference. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that. There's nothing really more to, to how say. How far are you? How far are you into it now? Um, it's this big old game you know it's like a long there's a lot of stuff to do I think I've got two of the the things for the statues in that cave at the bottom so I feel oh, like yeah, yeah that's a good way to, to yeah. think uh, I got two or three yeah so I feel like that's sort of like a third of the way maybe yeah. but I've left it for a long time and I I I don't know when I'm going to come back to it. I feel like I've I've almost got what I wanted out of it, and I don't know if I really want to play the whole game. Yeah, I just wanted to see how it was, and then I I actually uninstalled it. <laughs> there you go. Like I, I got it. I've, I've played the game, and I have it on GameCube. Yeah, I mean, I probably I, I, I'm sure I will finish it at some point, but I just it could be in you know a year or two from now. I don't think it's going to be any problem with picking up, you know, where you left off from that game. Yeah. Like it's, uh, yeah. Um, so Feels good to play it again, though. Yeah. Anything? Anything new that you've been playing? Oh, plenty. Um, new. Well, how new is new? How new is? I think new? Hand of Fate is kind of new. Hey, Brad Galloway from Game Critics is a big, big on that game. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I uh, I played through I think like four game sessions, and um, okay, so if people. Haven't been talking to Brad Galloway about it at length. Uh, <laughs> what it is is a 
it's a card game, but you play the role of yourself sitting down at a table with this magician guy. He's like almost like a, it's like sort of sort of a magician, sort of a um, like a fortune teller kind of person. Whatever he he deals out these cards, and you play this game with him, and uh, you move a piece like a like a board game token from card to card, and each card is flipped over when you land on it, and it reveals something, and that's either an encounter or a scenario. Um, it could be a, a shop or or a treasure or a fight, which is then played in real time in like a 3D setting with with Batman Arkham Asylum combat controls and uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun I, I really liked it what's interesting to me about it is that it's it's doing two things at once right it's it's the card game plus this actual fighting thing mm-hmm. that's and it, it makes it work it's yeah. what I what, it's, what it seems to be like. Who do you think this game is? It should be being talked about more because that was the impression I got from talking to other people about it. Well, I've heard it talked about zero other than Brad, right? Um, so yeah, it, it it didn't seem to have much marketing behind it. Like I and the name kind of sucks. It doesn't really tell you anything about it. I mean, I yeah, guess it's like generic video game. Name. It's it, it, when you actually think about it, you think long and hard about it. It's, it is actually sound descriptive because it's a hand, a hand, a gaming hand, a card hand, a fate. Right, I get it, but mm-hmm. you know, I would put cards in there somewhere. I just think that gets the you know that immediately gets like that crowd listening. I think. Right, but um, the thing is, it is more interesting than most card games. Right. Uh, to me, because they're used in sort of a practical manner in a in a larger type of game. Uh, I think the 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 three D action combat makes it something else, where the cards are just a vehicle to get to that other play mechanic. Yeah, interesting. I like that, and and um, I've been more into board games lately. Uh, right. So the idea of going through and and collecting items via these cards that are revealed is interesting to me. Plus, it's completely fantasy based. You know, you're you're fighting with swords and axes and things like that. When do you uh, when you say you've been more into board games, like, is was there something that was driving you towards being more into board games, or is it just something that's happened? Um, I don't know. Uh, late last year. I just had an urge to play some of the old fantasy board games of my youth. So I put together a Hero Quest, like sort of custom board, and I bought a a boxed set of Descent. Uh And um, that that interest was just there. I'm not sure why. I used to play uh, tabletop RPGs like Dungeons & Dragons. And maybe one of my friends mentioned that they were having a game, and I was like, "Man, I miss doing that." It's just it's it's it's, it's something I've noticed a few people doing, not many, but oh, a few. Really? So you think there's like something in the air? I don't know. Something, I just, something. if there's a little, 
I don't know if it's because of the way that the first years of the new consoles have been or whatever. And then mm. it's just a little bit tepid and slow and also uh, expensive. I, I look for things to do with real people in the real world, right? Only. So there's that. Like, I don't know a whole lot of people who are huge into cooperative video gaming, right? But, but board games have a different sort of appeal. Well, I imagine that's got to be in a community which is fairly proactive and and you know will it has to make a lot of effort to being organised about that stuff. So you know, it's probably not too hard to actually find people who are going to. I imagine I don't know. I know in the UK, I get that impression that it's not. If you want to go play board games, it's actually not that hard to find, <laughs> to find that's the crowd. I think I just have more nerdy friends who are nerdy in a way that is not. That's more like book nerdy versus video game nerdy. Well, I, 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 from my perspective, I, I, I really do like board games, but I don't actually play a whole lot of them. I think it's, it's something that's more that. I the problem I see, and maybe, it's uh, it shows a lack of imagination. But I see most board games, and I think, well, you do this and this, and you can make it a video game, right? And. And I and I sort of think, well, why don't you? Because <laughs> you can still have a video game. I mean, I get it; it's not quite as intimate and whatever. And maybe those are very good arguments, and I shouldn't just dismiss them. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little bit too invested in gaming to really make the time and effort. But you know, I, when I do play board games, I really enjoy them. It's just not something that I, I find myself actively wanting to do. Mm. I don't know, but you know, maybe that's something I uh, may change. Who knows? Um, well, I guess. The developers of Hand of Fate thought similar to you, like, why don't we just make this video game? Has it worked so, out for them? That's the question. I mean, if they've made a board game version or, you know, physical version, uh, maybe there is a physical version. I don't know. Yeah. But How would you do the physical case, version? It's, uh, I think you would do the cards and then in, to replace the, the, um, the real time combat, you would do figures and dice rolls. Right. Yeah. Um, which could work. It yes, could. but Hand of Fate is very good. Uh, it 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 sort of captures my attention and uh, just keeps me wanting to play the next round of of uh, the next hand. Um, because in between, as you play through, you hit certain cards, which are these locations or encounters, and you gain tokens. And right. once you defeat the the boss of that hand, essentially, which comes up at the end of the third or fourth um, spread of cards on the on the table, um, yeah. you fight this guy or girl, whatever you fight, you fight this enemy, and uh, once you win, you get whatever tokens you've collected throughout that round. Ah. Each token reveals a random or non-random. I don't know. A certain number of cards that are then added to your personal deck, and right. then on the next round, you choose the cards that you want to keep in your deck, and you have a certain number of item and weapon cards, a certain number of of uh, encounters, a certain number of whatever. I, I forget exactly the nomenclature they use to divide up your deck, and it, the deck grows each round, but you make a custom deck that you bring to the next hand. And um, 
you know, so, you're more likely to get those new cards, and each new card has new opportunities in it to get more cards and or earn more treasures, items, and things. So it's got that kind of continual drive for you to yeah. to keep sort of with trying to win, and the more you win, the stronger you can get. But it's mm-hmm. I'm always exploring the the possibilities of these unknown cards that you're getting. Are you taking it online? Are you playing other players? No, no, just play against the the AI dude in the chair. Okay. I don't I mean, know I, I, against anyone else. I think it's just solo. I will definitely check it out before the end of the year, but I imagine, I've got to be honest, it, it screams of a game that's going to get a big price cut soon. Um, like it just... Oh, yeah. It will be in some sale and it will be... It also feels like it could be a PlayStation Plus game that later down the line. Could be. Uh, let's, do we know the developer? The publisher? Who is the developer? You let's look it up. Here we go. It's uh, Defiant Development. I, I've never heard of them, <laughs> even though I think I've, we talked about this. Yeah, I think this must must be their first game. Yeah, um, they have one game on Steam. They're an Australian developer. It's called Hand of Fate. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, it's on it's on Steam. It's on PS4. It's on Xbox One. Even though it is on all their systems, there's just it, it it's. You look at the games that do go to PlayStation Plus, and this one could easily go to PlayStation Plus. Absolutely. I could um, see it on a Steam sale, Humble sale. So I, I'll That's hold off. I will hold off for now, but I'm pro- I will definitely check it out because that's the second recommendation I've got. I've got a really get. I've got a game that naturally transitions from that one. If you want to, yeah, get into it, which is uh, an iOS game. Ooh. Uh, called Arena, and that is spelled A E. Oh my god! I've played that. Ah. Now, have you played the the free to play version? I don't know. Clash of Champions. Does that sound familiar? I don't think so. Okay, well, I'll, I'll explain. There was a free-to-play version that's been out for a while uh, called Clash of Champions. But they, uh, in the last few months, have brought out a premium version called Master's Edition. And um, just to explain very briefly what the game is like, it's a... <laughs> a- just real quick. Arena is on my Steam category of played, comma, never again. That, wow. <laughs> that that much fun for you, huh? Um <laughs> Maybe you, maybe you, maybe you have been playing the free-to-play version, and you should check out the premium version because I think that's made it a, a, a really good change to the game. Um, in the free-to-play version, it was very limiting in terms of how many different units you could have. So to explain, it's a it's a turn-based, grid-based uh, strategy game, tactics game, where you control three units, sort of, in this in this. Uh, airship arena, this kind of steampunk airship arena and you're controlling like robots and ninjas and um, like dwarves with hammers and all this kind of various units, they've all got a kind of steampunk vibe and it's a free versus free so it's kind of got I called it in uh, I reviewed it for Mac Life, I called it speed chess with lots of bells and whistles because it's it's there's a timer element to it, it's turn based, it very much feels like chess in terms of how you move the units around um, but there's lots of mobile elements. Um, you know, you've got you, the way that you win is by destroying your enemy's ship, which is on the other side of the of the thing. And to do that, you can you you win. You could you take out hit points by attacking other characters, attacking enemy characters, or by attacking the ship directly. Um, and there is lots and lots of mobile stuff going on. Um, but I it's I think it's more chessy than mobile. Now with the premium version. 
which is five bucks on Steam and iOS. Um, uh, they've re- taken all the things that cost you money in a game before and made them available just for in-game cash. And you don't. Is it called the Masters Edition? That's correct, Masters Edition. That's it's fourteen dollars on Steam right now. I apologize. It's five bucks on 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 um, iOS. I wonder if there are different versions between PC and and iOS. Uh, I don't know. Um, I played it on on iOS. Uh, uh, where was my point? Yes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the only things that cost money in the game now are cosmetic, mm. um, and everything that's related to improving your 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 squad. Uh, you know, getting new perks, whatever, is is available just by playing the game lots and and you know getting enough in-game cash. It doesn't take too long actually to, to rustle up cash and unlock a new thing. Um, what I really liked about it, it was just it, it because, and I think it is this is why the, the pre-mission is good because there is such a range of different units and um, the, the there's a very balanced system where you gain this this energy called ether with again with an AE and that's how what sort of governs your special moves but you gain it both by attacking and being attacked um so make sure that even if you're getting a pummeling you're still there's still room for you to turn it around but it's not like Mario Kart where it's like a blue shell it's like the other player is also still uh, is, is rustling up their arena uh, ether too so there's a good sort of natural uh balance with an unpredictable edge to it um and I just I I thought it was good. It was you know very tactically minded, uh, intimate turn based game with a lot of variety and lots of longevity and definitely worth. I think about fifteen bucks. So maybe not the Steam version. Um, I'm just going to double check now because you've you've maybe wonder. Um, uh, yeah, um, but five bucks on on iOS. I think it's a bit of a steal. Hmm. Um, it might be better to play with touch controls, also. Yeah. Considering it's a, it's like a setup like a grid-based board isometric view. Yeah, definitely. So it is, it is, it is five bucks on iOS, four pounds in the UK. Um, nice. And it, yeah, it, it totally makes sense for touch-based because you're just clicking to, you know, where you want your character to go, and it's all grid-based. Grid-based naturally suits uh, a touch screen. Um, yeah, and matches only take ten minutes, which is another good, you know, another thing that suits mobile gaming. Um, I, the one thing I would have liked from it was more of a sort of story-minded single-player. I mean, there's a, there's a practice mode and a survival mode, but apart from that, like it's all just a little bit uh, soulless in a single-player. Otherwise, you were just generally playing other players. But it's not hard to find a match. Uh, it's never hard to find a match. And yeah, I, I would, I definitely recommend it. And it's, it, you know. Uh, I think that's a genre that uh, should be more on iOS. You should be more tactics, turn-based tactics games, and there are more coming. Uh, but it just makes a lot of sense, right? Like it just it naturally mm-hmm. fits. Yeah, it's um, perfect. Yeah. I mean, I'm, so what did, did you remember it all? No, Why? I don't. Even, I was just gonna say it is the the not available on Steam anymore version. Yes. Just arena with no subtitle um and i honestly don't remember what i didn't like about it it just i don't know 
There were definitely people out there who played the free-to-play version and were annoyed with it. Mm. Because I think there were issues around, you know, how long it took to get stuff and how you had to pay to be, you know, um, to be competitive. The cool, the cool thing though is the uh, the iOS, Android, Mac, PC versions. They're all cross-play. Oh, that's cool. Um, so you can you can if you're playing on PC, you can play someone on Android. Blah blah blah. Um, and yeah, uh, <laughs> I. I, I like it, and, uh, and this is coming from someone who doesn't really MOBA, and there's definitely right. a lot of MOBA in this game. So I hope that's a pretty good recommendation. <laughs> well, that that's another thing. I don't I don't MOBA and don't like MOBA. In... It's not a genre I want to get into, you know. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I, I it's something where I'm sure ten years ago I could have lost a lot of time to it, and I think I could lose a lot of time to it now, but I just don't mm. really want to. Yeah, yeah, it does kind of feel like a a MOBA slowed down. Turned into a tactics game. Well, rather, I asked this question rather than a um, native tactics game. Yeah, I, I asked this question on Twitter. Like, if you have a turn-based MOBA, is that still a MOBA? Mm. I don't think it really is. Well, like, no, because a MOBA is, is an action real-time strategy. Right, but you see people describing a lot of games as turn-based MOBAs, which I think is a bit like saying, you know, this is a uh, a a platforming shooter. It's an action turn-based strategy, which is yeah. a different thing than a MOBA. Uh, it's, I, I, you know, I don't think it is a MOBA. I think you've got to, That's that's just something where someone is happy to latch onto a genre and use that genre yeah. because it's popular. Um, but it's definitely got MOBA elements. Let's put it that way. Interesting. Well, I think there are more things that make a MOBA a MOBA now, based on, uh, I guess, the sort of League of Legends model or Dota model. Do you understand League of Legends players at all when they talk? I don't listen to League of Legends players talk. Yeah, good play. Good well <laughs> but but no, no, probably not. It's like it's I, just I, not not because like there's anything wrong with it. It's just not my world. But there, there are games which I don't play, and I understand the language mm-hmm. that people are talking in. And then you hear people talk about League of Legends or Dota, and it's like I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so what is what does that even? I don't even have a semblance of what you're talking about. Um, yeah, they've created a jargon around it. Yeah, they really have. I mean, it's insane. Which is uh, good. It it's, it helps describe intricacies of of the system that they're working with. Do you think there will be a way uh, where MOBA becomes this less isolated thing? Because it really feels like you know, there's gaming and then there's MOBA. Hmm. Um, which you know, I'm trying I guess... to think of an analog in the past that MMOs. Has... MMO. A lot of MMO culture has bled into to, yeah. to regular gaming culture. It's you know, become, you... I guess, more more casual. Yeah. So yeah. there are a lot. There's a lot of sort of casualization. If you want to use that word, which is a terrible word, but we're going to use it anyway. A lot of casualization of MMOs, um, and there's also a lot of MMOing of regular games. Like you look at Dragon Age Inquisition. And there is so much MMO in that game. Um, Kingdoms of Amalur was basically an, a single-player MMO game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a lot of it out there, but it's difficult because you know it's a it's a lot of uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Because MMOs take a lot from RPGs, mm-hmm. and so when you see an RPG yeah. doing an MMO, it's like, hang on, is it really doing an MMO? Or is it just doing an old RPG? <laughs> like, what's actually happening? Here? Yeah. Um, 
It's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I guess it depends on the elements of the MOBA that whoever would potentially bring the genre to a to a less hardcore MOBA market. Uh, what elements they choose to to base the the more casual MOBA around. And then it's it's it's, it's it sounds so um, antonymical. Like it sounds oxymoronic. Sorry, that's the word. Yeah. Uh, like it's just it's, I, I, it sounds impossible to me. But I guess Valve are in a place where they could. They you know these people who made Portal from the Half Life Two <laughs> engine. Um, so I, they can do anything. I, I sort of think, um, and they're the ones who have Dota. So I don't know. Could but anyway. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, talk about MOBAs a, anymore. <laughs> I don't have a great segue from there. Um, I'm just going to go into another game that I've been playing. Go on. So, this game came out two years ago. Well, not quite two years ago. A year and a half ago. How to Survive is pretty awesome. Um, it feels like a sort of casualization <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so we've made up a terrible word <laughs> of something like uh, "don't starve." Interesting. But zombies. I mean, so so this is a this is like a, a an open world zombie survival horror action thing. Like, yeah. and I and I know that sounds like a lot of things, but actually, I think that's a pretty on the nail description of it, isn't it? Did you play this game? I've not, but we've talked about it before on, on a few other shows. Uh, and... It's so cool. I, I really enjoy it. So yeah, it's a sort of top-down, isometric game. You're just a little dude running around. There are a lot of these zombies on this island, and you know, it's just hack. It's almost like hack and slash. But the important thing is that you're collecting items, and you have this huge inventory, and you can combine all these items into different ways to build new things that help you survive in this zombie-infested world. And it's just... It, it just seems so... I don't know. It's so clever. And and mechanically, it just feels wonderful to play. Does it really feel like a a, a new thing or just a mashup of genres that's, that's made to work? Uh, I think it is... It does feel like a mashup of genres that's made to work. Yeah, you know, they just pluck different elements of different things, and there's nothing wrong with that together, at all. And it's it's great. No, yeah. no, definitely not anything wrong with it. No, absolutely not. Um, so why do you think? No, I think it's five hundred five games who are the publisher. Um, I want to say that. I'm just going to double check that whilst I talk. But yep. I think it. So I think it's, it is. Yeah, and it's it's not a well known studio who's behind the idea. It's um, Eco Software, and they, they've made like. I think this is either their first game or they've made games which people just don't know about. Um, but it, it's managed to get its way onto every single platform. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's even on Wii U, for goodness sake. Um, but at the same time, I just don't think that many people have played it. What's, what's happened there? I, I think it all comes down to to not having the marketing dollars <laughs> like that's yeah. all anything is anymore people play what's shoved in their face constantly and you know they don't they don't really go searching and and i think we still need to work on a better discovery and curation model for good games in this digital space that gaming has become cuz there's just so much stuff out there 
Well, let's, let's talk each about game that. gets the same amount of same amount of space to describe what it is and and uh, why you should be interested in it. Yeah, but... let's, let's 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 talk about that because I've, I've sort of that's come up naturally in a few conversations I've been having recently. Um, like you take Steam for example, mm-hmm. you know, in in theory, that system has great curation models because it has the user reviews, um, it has critical. Reviews also take into consideration. There's the curator pages, all this stuff. But I think the problem that 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 portal has is there are it's just too many games now, and so you know inevitably games are getting lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I I think there's it's it, part of it is is early access, part of it is is green light. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's almost like. Uh, you know, in the UK, we're having a lot of debates here about immigration laws, right? And you know, people saying like open doors leads to too many people being in the country, and people going, "Well, you know, you only get skilled people." If you... It almost feels a bit like that with with Steam. Like it's just um, there's benefits to having those open doors and letting all these games in. But at the same time, inevitably, some games just get starved of oxygen, mm-hmm. um, and and it seems to hurt the whole system. Yeah. So it's hard to tell too, like how people actually find their games. Like I personally don't ever really go to the front page of the Steam store or, or any other store. Basically, games come to me, or I don't know about them. Right. So they have to be kind of plastered all over the internet. Okay. So I mean, a lot. Of, I guess the the. A lot of people find their games through various ways. YouTube is probably the biggest way now. Um, but then you know, there's 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 marketing and front page curation and all this stuff, and you know, uh, websites advertising games and websites recommending games, like the Souls games. Would you know? It's, it's only uh, what five six years ago that Demon Souls was out. When we can't say game landscape has changed that completely, and that is a, that is a game that only got successful because people were talking about it in the press and because online. of Jeffrey Matlash. Yeah, because of well. You joke, right? But it was people like Jeff who were very yeah. early and talk about how good that game was. Um, and I'm sure someone could go around and say I was the first, right? But the point is, is that the press picked up on that really early, mm-hmm. um, and you know, there would not be a bloodborne without how the press got involved. So you can't discount the press at this stage. It's only six years since that happened, and that's a really big success story. Um, but I think we're still at, to to go back, at, and we're at a point where it's there are taste checkers, there are taste you know curators and all this thing, and it's I think you know they're only so <laughs> infallible, and there there's maybe there's an issue of I don't know I don't even know what, what the issue is, but it, it, certainly you, there are games which are going to get lost, and um, how to survive maybe is one of those. And I don't know how you solve that problem at this stage. Yeah, talk about it on podcasts. Well, try to. I mean, this is the yeah. second podcast I've been on, which is you know we talked about it, but we're not not made. Neither of those shows are huge, huge, huge shows. Unfortunately, you know we're not. We don't have the the audience of Swedish shouting people. Uh, I'm not going to dismiss him. I don't know anything about the guy, and I'm sure he's a lovely guy and he's earned all his money. Um, and I don't even know if he's Swedish. Is he Swedish? I have no idea. I'm going to double check. Know, I, don't want to I be... just know that the first and second time were the last and second to last time I ever opened a 
a YouTube video by him. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I, you see a lot of people being hugely dismissive at the end of the day. That's got to be an element of jealousy. I mean, the guy has, I'm looking at it now on Wikipedia, which is which is updated as of this month, which tells you like his Wikipedia page is updated as of this month already, and we're April the second or whatever, April the third. Um, Thirty-five point seven million subscribers, which is insane. That's good, it's insane. Um, I don't know how to how to how to listen to someone like that for that long. And apparently, he's he lives very near to me, Brighton. Um, cool, very cool. Felix Arvid Ulf Kjellberg is his full name. Uh, and he's a good deal younger than us. Uh, that's another part of it. <laughs> so I think that's a lot. That's a lot. Of probably where the the the, the looks come from. And you know, uh, I don't think it needs to be said that the press is having trouble with numbers and and trying to rival video. But I, um, what are your thoughts on it? Do you feel like uh, the 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 the, de- the, num- the 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 days of traditional game journalism are numbered? Um, I couldn't say. It's. I don't know. <laughs> my, well, my view on it, for what it's worth, is that I think there's always going to be a place for both. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, for one thing, for example, video can't do news straight away. Um, the counter to that, of course, is that you look at how many places are uh, announcing their own news in the way that video game sites do. Uh, PlayStation, for example, PlayStation Blog. Um Mm-hmm. So they're naturally ahead of the game, right? And they and they're starting to not need the sites. But at the, the end of the day, like, there's always going to be that point where you just need someone to filter out the news. Um, and there are certain sites which are getting better and better reputations for doing that. Um, and I and think if we're talking about, about the the medium to deliver the message, like, I I see that video is hugely popular, but it's it's just so slow. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you're interested in getting information, text is much faster than video. Yeah. You just go boom boom there it is bye. And even things like I uh, you know, I think the the interesting battlefield is is reviews, right? Um and you see certain sites video gamer 1 who are looking at ways to like just get that review shorter quicker done. Uh, Kotaku, another one who've got their sort of bullet point things with their reviews, right? Where they sort of just say yes, no, here's what's good, here's what's bad, and that's very high profile in their review of uh, longer text. And you know, they can just you can just attach that to a tweet, and you've done your review and got it out to lots of people. Um, you know, I, it's it's interesting. There's it, it's so hard to predict where the internet is going and how social media is changing to the landscape and. Um, I think a lot of it will depend on 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 a lot of things, uh, so it's so hard to really to really predict. Certainly, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, as many different people as you have looking for the information that is available, and uh, as the video game market is expanding, you have more different types of people with different ways of doing things. Everyone has different ways of receiving information that then they're still going to need a variety of ways to yeah to gather their news well you know like say someone wants to is has got their phone and they're out and about a video becomes less useful there they need Mm -hmm. uh, a little web page a little mobile page something Um, silent something (laughs) silent exactly so you know 
I think it's very early to to pronounce the death of traditional games journalism, uh, or any like traditional journalism. And I think that's just that's the whole point, right? You don't call it just game journalism. This problem is is widespread, um, and maybe it's just a little bit more pronounced because of Twitch's relationship to gaming. Um, mm. But you know, yeah, I, I just think it's it's there's going to be a place for both for a very long time. I would suspect. I think so far the that the written news the written games journalism proper has maintained a level of professionalism uh a little bit better than video delivered uh quote, yeah. quote james games journalism but video is getting better at that or, well yeah it's it's, or, it's or, like it's a, getting better yeah it's i mean i i would it's you it'd be, it'd be very easy to cast aspersions but i think it's just a case of videos maturing in that respect yeah uh, you know, YouTube as a platform, and it's people who are using it are just—it's so it's so it's young. Like I mean, Wild West over there. Yeah, and it, it, it just like like video games itself. It just needs time to mature and you know get a level that level of professionalism. And uh, you know, it's not like there's none there at all. As that's that would be unfair. But certainly, you're right. There are issues, and you know we've read about them and uh, we see them, and um, and they're not just limited to video. They're there in the games press as well. But you know. Um, like you say, I think it's it's just a, the press have had a few years of experience and mm. video will get there. Yeah, I feel like we sound old. I, well, we are in this respect. That's my <laughs> point. Like you it's know, so this funny. this this guy, this uh, this PewDiePie, he is seven years younger than us, or uh, seven years younger than me, anyway. Um, so it's a different. It has enough in, in gaming to be like a different generation, <laughs> you know. Um, so. Like he he's never played, um, or maybe he has. I don't know. But it's not. He probably hasn't played when he was young. Super Mario Brothers on the NES. He probably didn't play Amiga games. Um, I don't know. Maybe he did, and I'm completely wrong. But people his age certainly would not have grown up with the same games. Would not have grown up with gaming being in the same place, being the the, the same minority thing in our culture. Mm. Um. Yeah. So, but that's a whole. We could really go on about that. <laughs> yeah, we've gone way off track. Can I so talk how about How to Survive? Is a great game. That yeah, hasn't gotten much press. We've uh, barely talked about it. I know, um, but uh, if you're listening and think it sounds interesting, I recommend you go pick it up for what's it, fourteen ninety nine? I think it is worth that. Um, it's probably good. But, again one of those games which you will find at a cheap price at some point, and that's when you should get on it because. That's, like I've heard people say good things about it a lot. So, you know, it's 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 another game that that really involves heavy exploration, not only of its world, which is fairly simplistic, but of its systems, or or one its one system, its main system is yeah. a item crafting and and uh, using things to to better your situation. Um, and the combat is fun. It's basic. It's you know. It's like, like a real-time Diablo, or or a twin-stick shooter. If you pick up a gun, or or not not pick up a gun, but craft a gun, um, and then it has the whole the whole zombie element, which feels a little bit like um, Left for Dead-ish, but mm-hmm. in a very different way. Um, you know, you still have safe houses and such. You have to sleep. You have to you know you have to make yourself safe. But it has that hook, right? It has that thing which is making you push and play more. And it has, yeah, it has little quests that you take, you know, one step at a time, you know. 
So you have the the main objective is stay alive and potentially, you know, get out of the situation, right? But as you go, you meet people, all these NPCs, and and they'll they may have little quests for you to do that lead you along on your path. But it's not annoying quest. It's not frivolous a- activity. It's it, it's a bunch of things that lead you somewhere, which is good. You know, it's it's part of this narrative arc that is sensible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got great, great production value. Um, I, I really like it a lot. I, I would recommend it highly. Very cool. Can I, can I talk into a completely different game? Uh, yes. Uh, we talked about it before. Um, in fact, we talked about these dead games a lot before and I, and I want to bring a couple more that I've been playing because since we last talked uh, that these episodes have come out. So that would be Game of Thrones episode three. Ooh. And Tales from the Borderlands episode one. Episode two is out as well, but I've not yet got to it. Um, so Tales from the Borderlands, let's start with that one. Have you played so you that finished all? episode one? Yes. Because you said that you, you had started and you just kind of lost interest or you started doing something else. Yeah, I played it on iOS a while ago and I just I didn't like it on iOS, you know, actually. Um, uh-huh. I, it's, it's nothing like, it's not anything wrong with it. It's just, I, I, I think I wanted a bigger screen, that was all. Okay. I think it was like, it was a pretty game. It was a pretty game, but I want to play on a big screen. Um, and it certainly works on the big screen. Uh, so, so Tales from the Borderlands, what's interesting about it is um, it's much more like Telltale's older games. There are still the choices, mm-hmm. um, but it feels a bit more... Actually, no, it's not like Telltale's older games. Actually, that's, I think that's a lie. I think it's... it's well, it's, it's a comedy game. Yeah, it's uh, almost like the gameplay is very limited <laughs> um, to a point where it, 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 this, um, the and the decision making is fairly limited. Like, it's, there are decisions, and they and they're clearly going to have importance and consequences, but they don't feel like the same sort of emotionally weighted, really difficult decisions that you make in other games, um, in the other Telltale games. Like, you know, they don't feel huge things. They feel like uh, I guess I'll go that one. Um, Maybe that's just episode one, and maybe the story is just warming up, right? But uh, you know, it's that's what it didn't feel to me. It, it really did feel like the emphasis was on just a funny story, mm-hmm. uh, you know, good characters, a really exciting world, and sort of trying to recreate that Borderlands feel in in Telltale's method, Telltale's process. Uh, and was I kind of hate myself? I feel like I should be me of like seven years ago. We were, well, where's the gameplay? Where's the where's the what are you actually doing? Well, all I'm doing is. QTEs and blah blah blah, and if you don't make the decision making important, blah blah. I kind of liked it. <laughs> it's like kind of, it's kind of a nice change of like just doing Telltale's thing without having that. I love weighted it. decision. So, so you're fine with me. I mean, do, do you see that though? Do you feel like it's like there's it's strange how the decisions aren't as important, but it still has that same thing. So what is left is essentially the storytelling. Well, a. We're talking about how how important the decisions feel whenever we're playing a Telltale game, unless we've played it through and made all of the choices and seen what the answers are. They could be the huge in, in a few episodes. Could That's a good point. Um, but you know, to us, walking down one in real life, walking down one street versus another could be huge. But we just take it as walking to the subway. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, it does. It feels like you're just you're just doing your thing. But for me, I enjoyed it so much just based on the story that was being told and the characters. And uh, I don't know, maybe it was the change of pace, maybe it was the humor, maybe it was the 
the the colorful nature of the cast and story. Mm. Um, but I I got done and I didn't have a single thought about like the consequences of my decisions, you know, whether they were important or not, or whether I was playing a lot or, or watching a lot. I just felt like, wow, that was a lot of fun. Right. And uh, uh, I, I, I did like particular mechanics w- when you were transitioning between characters and uh, you had these decisive moments where you had to act. Maybe they weren't decisions, they weren't thoughtful decisions, but they were they were actions in the moment that were meaningful, you know, yeah. to succeed or fail. The coolest thing I thought about it was um, were these uh, certain QTE sequences which were sort of being told in story, and they really mimicked, which itself and it, it mimics other things, Edgar Wright's uh, directorial style. You know, they sort of um, think of like Shaun of the Dead where he's talking about uh, how they're going to get to the Winchester. And, you know, they're going like, we're going to do this and do this and do this. And there's all these quick sequences with, you know, very dramatic cuts from one to the other. Um, And that's, you know, big Edgar Wright thing. He was doing all the way back in space. And Tales of the Borderlands does that a couple of times and has these sort of QTE things built in with it. So it's like you're going to do this and do this and you're, you know, bashing in the guy's head by swiping right or, you know, jumping over something by pressing A. And it really worked. It really, really worked. Uh, so much so that when it came out the second time I was like oh not lazy yay it's happening again <laughs> do it again do yeah, it again yeah. do it again um, yeah was... see there's this stigma around QTE see I love QTE uh, which is not the popular uh, opinion but I've loved it since like Resident Evil 4 and let's say my favorite one of my favorite parts of the original um, Walking Dead series was the walk to the marsh house yeah, it's just like the energy behind it is so intense when you use QTE to put together an action sequence like that. So, so maybe that's a that's a difference. Like if you're into that sort of thing, then this is great because there's a lot of it. I certainly think QTE is not at all necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think for my always go to example these days is a Cirrus Wrath, which mm-hmm. is essentially a game that's full of QTEs. Like it's just QTE from start to finish, but the there's so much inventiveness and excitingness and and thought that's gone into it, and you know, uh, the whole point of that game is that you're playing a character gets angrier and angrier, and the game is getting you to mash buttons more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And it's just it makes a lot of sort of visceral sense how how that game works. Um, yeah, there's physical fun to playing a game with QTE. Yeah, exactly. Be included in other games, it can really work. But at the same time, there are times where you just think, well, why didn't you do this another way? Um, you know, uh, uh, and it does feel like sometimes I, I sort of think of the Call of Duty endings, right? Um, the I think it's the end of Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare Two, maybe both of them, where you have like your sequence where you're throwing a knife into someone's head, but it's just I don't see why that couldn't be. Not oh, like QTE. a game that doesn't have QTE for the whole game. Yeah, and just like, just chunks the most it pivotal in. moment. It's like okay, here, press something. Exactly. And that's always a bit sort of like I get why because you want to, the, the, you want to shift the emphasis onto the story and you want it to be exciting and you don't want the player to screw it up by missing. Yeah. Um, but it, it is very jarring and it is seem lazy, uh, and I do feel like there are other ways to do it 
which right. could be fine. But in Tales from the Borderlands, you didn't feel that way. No, because I, I mean, uh, Telltale, I think they've established it. Like it's, it, mm-hmm. they've. That's what's funny about it because you know that's where my point is about the decisions not having the same weight because I feel like that justifies that sister that way of playing like you you don't necessarily mind that the stuff you're doing is not hugely tasking um skill wise because uh the the important things are the decisions that you're making in the story uh so to have that taken away and then still like the game afterwards is, is was confusing to me and i think so the storytelling was just very strong and it, and it is a good shift of pace and like you said it's not like the decisions are there was no no difficulties to them this it's just it, they were clearly not as immediately troublesome to decide uh, as the ones in say the walking dead or or or, uh, or the wolf among us um, it's just like how do you feel right now okay that's my answer yeah like it so one of them spoilers uh at the end is uh the choice to shoot someone or not which is usually quite a, a strong thing but it's it's difficult when there's so much silly humor and they haven't the game hasn't really necessarily established this strong point of reference for this character and why you should care about him that much the person you're shooting um so it, it i think that's maybe my that's where the problem comes but uh, you know, Telltale games. Some Telltale games where they had this system before, like um, Homestar Runner. The Homestar Runner is strong bads, cool game for whatever. Blah blah blah. Attracts people. Um, had the same sort of thing as Tales from the Borderlands, but without the decisions. And it just works on its humor. And that's why I sort of think it's more like Telltale's old games because it's really just working on its humor. Mm. And and I think that's fine actually. Uh, I think we'll see. It's also the first episode. I think yeah. we'll see a lot more development of characters as the season goes on. I think that will be a difficult balance for them, though, to to maintain the strong strong level of humor and make you still care about the characters as much as you would in any other Telltale game. Mm-hmm. Which gets me to Game of Thrones mm-hmm. episode three. Um, I actually have only one major thing I wanted to bring about this because we're getting to the point where if I just talk about everything in this episode, it's very spoilery. Um, it's another one. It's another Telltale game that comes out release. Uh, I played it on launch day, and there's a big technical problem. Okay. Uh, and, it, and and so the very first scene, uh, you are playing as the uh, as one of the, this house's uh, characters. You know, we, we play five different characters from this house, this noble house, and this one's off. You know, in the desert, about to meet Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, eventually, at the end of the episode, and. Uh, so of course a dragon turns up and so you're in this big fight sequence of a dragon and it should be really dramatic it should be really exciting but when I played it and a lot of other people played it on PS4 and I think maybe other systems too uh, the sound was completely f***ed in that whole sequence like the the every sound effect was gone pretty much uh, so you know when the dragon breathed fire you wouldn't hear it breathing fire there was no music the only things you really did hear were, were voices so it's just, it's almost a bit like a kind of weird silent movie with a bit of dialogue uh, for this really sort of op- what should be a really dramatic opening scene, and it's just something where okay I get it these things do happen, but with Telltale my word did they happen a lot, um, and I just it's that whole studio's approach to getting a game out 
the game gets out, get the game out on every platform, uh, and and it uh, it's strange because they they don't seem to have set times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the, the, the games seem to come out when they're ready, but when they come out, they don't seem to be ready. So what's actually going on with that? This <laughs> is my question. Yeah, it's like weird. what is their internal deadline? Do they have something that they just don't say? Right. I mean, I I don't understand how that can. It seems such a big thing to have to that problem to be there and not be noticed because I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I, you know, and there are lots of questions that I'm easily raised, which are easy, which which feel unfair. Like, are they taking on too many things at once? Are they, you know, too, you know, have they got too many projects? Because they've got this Minecraft thing they are probably working on in the background now. Um, no doubt they're probably working on Walking Dead season three as well. Um, yeah, of all the studios, they've exploded <laughs> more than yeah. any other, I think, in terms of their workload. It so, also calls into question like whether they should do the do the Resident Evil Revelations two thing and just make the whole game and then release and it, keep it until the you know just release it in the sequence. You know what? That was as we I think we talked about a couple of shows ago. How successful has that been for Capcom? Like, I'm sure that game is going to have really good sales numbers because um, it just stayed in the conversation for all that time. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, it was like another week, another so next week, and and you know, so for four weeks you're talking about this game rather than just one week. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, um, even if they want to do it every two weeks, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, I, I'm sure that's what it's out for Capcom. I, I really will be surprised if it hasn't. Um, but the impression I got was, you know, people were playing it, and and it, and because it was a pretty solid entry for Resident Evil, which has some bad games in recent years. Mm. Um, I think it's been a bit of a success story for them for Capcom. So, and they've needed one. So good for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else do we have? I'm going to talk about one more game. Go for it. It is kind of similar to Telltale Games. Uh, it's called Discourse. I have uh, not heard of that game. It's kind of related to How to Survive. <laughs> so uh, you're, it's by Alchemy Labs. I have heard of that studio, though. Um, and it's sort of a choose-your-own-adventure survival discussion game. <laughs> uh, okay. So when you say discussion, are you saying there's a lot of text in it? Yeah, it's all, almost all conversations between the characters they're they're a group of survivors of a plane crash on a desert island okay so so it's lost yeah with, uh with zombies is that where we're going with this Losty. no there are no zombies no zombies okay um it's very it's a little bit more grounded in reality okay but um one of those grounded reality games huh <laughs> yeah one of those rare ones exactly um so you you play as one character and you just talk to all the other people um, and you kind of make decisions uh, about what everyone should do so you know you'll decide okay we need to someone will suggest oh we should make a, a signal for people to find us or someone else suggests no we, we need to get water and then you as the main person that everyone's looking to um, says I think we should go get water hmm. and you say okay I'm going to go with George and Steve hmm. and then you go and based on what you choose different things will happen either to you or to the people with you like you can suggest that 
the guy who's with you goes and does a thing, or you can say, okay, I'm going to go do this thing myself, and then depending on what happens, environmental factors will play a part, and, you know, maybe uh, you'll get attacked by something, or, or something will break, or, you know, something will happen, and there's going to be some drama, and you have to get out of that. And then when you get back to the other people, something may have happened with them. Right, right. So based on what you choose, a variety of different things can happen. And uh, it does change a lot, um, especially when you get a little bit further and you decide, okay, should I go toward this potential path or this potential path? It can change the game completely. Like you'll find a, a whole other section of the island that you didn't find on your first playthrough. I played through twice and the second time I used the rewind feature and changed some of my decisions. So I saw a fair amount of um, variety based on my choices. So it really does feel like a choose-your-own-adventure book because those have, like, 50 endings. Um, this one has probably fewer than that, but um, different characters will die based on your choices. Um, and at the end, you get like this big summary, a newspaper clipping uh, cork board, essentially, um, with different headlines talking about what happened with each of the characters afterward, and like their obituaries, and like it shows who you who you uh, made it through with, and who was dead. Oh. Is this is is this entirely text based? Um, no, no, no. I mean, like, there's. There are graphics. Okay, does <laughs> uh, it's just like, like it might be. it's all speech bubbles over your okay. characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's like a bright sort of uh, papercraft visual style. It it looks interesting. Hmm. Um, I I like the way it looks a lot. It's weird, but um, but it's definitely very simple and clear. Cool. One thing that was really annoying. It has good music. But the music bothered me so much. Like, it was too loud or something. And, like, all I could pay attention to was the music. So I turned it off. But... Was there no option to, like, turn the volume of the music? Yeah, there was. But even when I turned it down to, like, 1 out of 10, it was still, like, still sort of droney. Kind of, like, gave me a headache. But (laughs) that's a weird thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds interesting. Like, it sounds... So, wait, are you playing this on PC? Uh, yeah. Okay, and it's on Steam? $15 on Steam. Yeah, we, we're talking a lot about Steam today. Um, this is Discourse with a Y, D-Y-S. Oh, dear. Well, now now we're in problems. Yeah, very dysfunctional. <laughs> I'm having a look at it now. Oh, okay. It's got a really, like you say, kind of cartoony, papercrafty. Yeah, almost South Park. Hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, some of the choices that you make, actually there's one picture on the Steam page, it's a good example. There's a, a jaguar attacking one of the uh, characters, and her husband will like attempt to go fight the jaguar off. And you have the option to either hold him back or let him go, and it's timed. And a few of the choices are timed in this way, so they're, they seem pivotal. But um, they give you a lot of time, and you know usually that leads to a character dying or not based on that decision. Yeah. It's like a lot of little decisions that just seem sort of uh, trivial, 
end up with either a character dies or lives. That's isn't that how life is? Yeah, it's kind of like what I said before: walking down the street or the other yeah. street. Uh, that's something that life is strange. Is I think trying to go for, uh, which we talked about before. Oh my word! Did we not talk about episode two though? No. Oh well, I'm just gonna say episode two. Okay, so episode one, lots of teen drama, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's heavy stuff in that episode two. Jeez, um, big spoilers, right? Big spoilers. Hands down, even for you, if you don't want to listen to Sadie, maybe just go out the room. <laughs> if someone doesn't want to listen, go out the room. It's big spoilers for episode two. But your last thing, the last thing you do in that game, is uh, you're on a roof with another girl who's about to jump, right? And there's something, you have this choice of four. I think, I've not read it up correctly fully yet, so I don't know. But I think one of those four options is the option that stops her from jumping off. And the other three, she jumps off. And one of them, you jump off instead and it's game over and you don't get to play the other. <laughs> um, but, like, it was... it's. I didn't. I, I mean, it was heavy and dramatic. I wasn't 100 sure if I liked it in terms of fairness of the design, but like maybe and 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 there was so the problem is you can draw all kinds of things from 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 it, from it in terms of what the developer may be trying to say. Um, but it was certainly like this thing where you know what was very clever about it uh, was the game is all about. Uh, giving that option to to go back and change your decisions through the time bending mechanic, you know, same time bending and remember me. Um, so you you know you, your character puts her hand out and she can reverse time and go back to before she made a decision, and maybe go and make the other one. Um, but she can only do that for a sort of short periods of time. So you can't just go back all the way the whole game. You can only do it for, in a short basis. But for that particular moment when you're on the roof with this girl and you're trying to talk her down. Uh, Bit contrived, but the story's got to a point where your character, your powers are just not working there. So when it happened for me, and I selected the wrong option, and the girl jumped, I'm there frantically pressing the, <laughs> the rewind button, like rewind, rewind, rewind. Come on, come on, come on. And of course, it's just it shows a little X on the on the icon uh, saying you can't do it. And it's actually quite powerful. Um, it did sort of get. Is that me the some... only time that you can't? Use your powers so far. That's, yeah, that's, that was the only time so far that you couldn't use your power. Oh man! And it was sort of like it was, it was, it did work on me. It did make, make me go. <laughs> that's like not being able to breathe. It was a little sort of um, what's the word? Disempowering. Yeah. It was really disempowering um, in a very literal way. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not a trick it can keep pulling. Mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't try to. Uh, it may do because it seems like it's a crucial part of the story in this character and that her powers are causing her ill health at some some sort of ill health um, right right because you said as you go back further you get the little blood red blotches yeah exactly um, I mean but it, you know it. I would put it up there as the, in those kind of games but all the Telltale games I've played like it's up there with some of the most dramatic Telltale moments, you know. Like if you think of spoiler, 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 spoiler the end of Walking Dead series one. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not. It, it, I was very wrecked by that because there was much more investment. I think so. It's, it's not quite that league, but it's not a million miles off. Like you know, you still had invested in this character. There was some really dark stuff that this that was going on into the lead up to this, and the game had already sort of pushed you into a few choices about her. 
Um, I still think that there's maybe stuff I don't know about how the decision works, whatever, whatever, whatever. But it was still there's some investment. It's well told. There are issues with Life is Strange. There are big issues with Life is Strange, but I, it's still it, it's a lot better than Remember Me, and I feel like um, it's putting Don't Nod back into the good side of the equation. Like it makes me feel like there's that's a studio which has some exciting things to do and and some strength some strength and some you know I think just the, the whole principle the general principle of a game where you use like Telltale, but you can rewind your decisions and and do them again is really strong, really strong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and same thing with Discourse. After you've beaten it once, you get the opportunity to rewind. You sleep every night uh, as a group, so those are the points at which you can then rewind later and start over. If you screwed up during one day, like you made a choice and you lost a character and you want to make a different choice, you rewind to the beginning of that day, and it lets you see different paths. That's cool. I'm trying to think of an allegory, and there are a few, but it's still a cool, it's a cool, cool idea, definitely. So, is the story actually enjoyable? Are you are you enjoying the story in this course? Um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It's not much of a like deep story. It's just kind of watching these people on this island. Um, you know, not a whole lot of of dramatic stuff happens, but it's interesting to see where they go what they find what they what you do you know more interested to see what my choices will be and how they affect these characters Uh, and it's it's over quickly like i played twice last night in an hour or something it reminds me of that um that 2d horror game home mm -hmm. never Have have you played that no yeah um it's not it's one of those things where the story seems to end differently based on the different choices that you make uh, throughout. And it's things like, you know, will you pick up a thing or will you go through this door or whatever, whatever, whatever. And again, it's not like those are particularly, it's particularly dramatic, but it's interesting just to see how it, it plays out and it makes you want to play it again. And I always think that's a, that's always a, a good way to go is to make your choices feel impactful and individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, home is three dollars on Steam right now. Hmm. It's I don't think it's it's an amazing game with by any stretch of imagination, but I think it's an interesting little thing. But it's probably worth three dollars. Yeah. Cool. Not a little experimental thing. Yeah. So, so what are games. some other cool things? Cool things. Since, we, since we've made it this far. Cool things. Uh, cool things. Cool things. Cool things. Let me think, man. Um. You want me to I, go and give you some time to think? Uh, I have some cool things in mind. Yeah, go on. You go first. So I, um, last night, actually, I did one of these escape rooms that are becoming popular in New York City. Uh, I went to Mystery Room NYC. Is, is this how it sounds? They give you a little backstory and lock you in a room with a timer and it's like the video game The Room. <laughs> and, well, sort of like that, um, except um, there, are, there are clues all over. You collect different things. You put them together. You unlock combination locks and find keys and find weird things and solve riddles to move on and, and um, eventually escape. This particular one had a bomb in the room. Uh, <laughs> at the end, I had to detach a wire. I was in there with a group of people. 
um, everyone kind of, I don't know, scurrying about <laughs> trying to figure things out. That's really interesting. I had no idea that this was a, a thing that was. It was great. It's, it's so it's, it's a it's a trend. It's this is something that's happening in New York. Yeah, it's so much fun. I did one a while back called uh, Mission Escape Games, okay. <clears throat> which was a, an artist studio that you got locked in there and you had to escape. Um, but this new one, uh, Mystery Room NYC, it had more of a story. And at the end, they said that this particular character will have another mystery room in the future. Right. But it's so much fun. Very cool thing. 28 bucks a person. Totally worth it. Very rewarding. Very cool. What other cool <laughs> things have you been partaking of? Uh, did you say what other cool things have I been I, ha- I did. Um... Another cool thing, I just I've had this for a long time. I did a review of of the series, not the series of the product line on GamerNode. The RetroLink controllers okay. from uh, from Inex. This one is a Super Nintendo controller, USB for for the computer. I am going to GamerNode.com right now. Yeah, just to check it out. So they're just. They're just game pads shaped like the NES, Super NES, Nintendo 64, um, whatever else, Genesis. Some of them kind of suck, uh, but right. the Super Nintendo one has been really good. The Nintendo one, the the Nintendo 64 one, and uh, you know they work for whatever. I was playing uh, Legend of Dungeon with my Super Nintendo one, which I'll talk about next week or next whenever next show. Also, just in general, the Super Nintendo controller. I think the Super Nintendo controller is a super cool thing that needs is, more of in everyday life. Is it the is best it, controller we've ever had? It is the father of every controller we've ever had since then. That's for a good sure. Point. We're still using the Super Nintendo controller for our Xbox One and PS4. Essentially, yeah. I mean, yeah. you've got the four face buttons and the uh, and shoulder buttons, D pad, and the sort of start button, select button. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a couple of the analog pads have been added in, but right. Yeah. I mean, the, that was something that didn't really exist on control pads at that point. But that still, was, uh, aside from that, it's it's Ken Itsuragi, is it not? Who added the, I don't know. Maybe he did, or maybe he didn't. There's probably someone at PlayStation specifically who put oh. the analog pads on the controllers. Yeah. Well, whoever did followed <laughs> Nintendo's lead with the Nintendo 64. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Super Nintendo controller, one of the greatest inventions of all time. Did you ever like? Did you like the uh, the Mega Drive or Genesis controllers? No. It was six buttons. Too many buttons. Um. Okay. Well, the six button was better. I did not like the three-button controller. I never really... But I guess the six-button one added the shoulder buttons. Yeah. yeah oh, shoulder six... buttons, that's another thing that's still on the Xbox One and PS4 controllers, right? Yeah, yeah, shoulder buttons, super important. Yeah. Actually, yeah, if there were two more buttons, that would be even better, I think. I don't think there's space for it looking at my PS4 buttons. I just don't know where you put it. Mm. I feel like, you know, you need to have a really I already think already think controllers are a little bit too big oh yeah yeah but then I, I have tiny girls hands oh okay 
Um, that, that would uh, that would make sense. And that's not at all meant to be offensive to girls' hands, by the way. I think you know, girls' hands are great. There you go. Yeah, they're just usually smaller. They are just usually smaller. <laughs> just putting that out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, what was I saying? <laughs> PS, I would. Do you prefer the, the the new Xbox One controller or the new PS4 controller? Ooh. You tried. You surely have tried them both. Even though was, you prefer the PS4. Yeah. I mean, super ergonomic. I'm one of those weirdos who like the PS3 controller more than the Xbox 360 controller. Hmm. That is weird. And again, I do think it goes back to my tiny girl's hands. Hmm. I just think it's a little bit more awkwardly shaped. It's the PS3 like... controller. Yeah. I have, I find the Xbox One controller just bulky as hell. Or well, Xbox 360, sorry. The Xbox One, they're not. They're, they don't feel as bulky. Even though they may, maybe are, but they don't feel as bulky. The 360 controller feels pretty perfect to me. The Xbox controller felt like crap. Yeah. Like I, you know, I really like the PS2 controller. Yeah. That was a good controller. Well, that's the same as the PS3 one. But it didn't have six-axis nonsense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the, 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 the biggest improvement is one. The D-pad's great now. That's a good mm. D-pad. Uh, and the PS4 controller... Uh, doesn't have any silly six axes. <laughs> I guess it's right. the six axes. My word, what a failure that was! Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I what game? Do you think of a particular game when you think of six axes? I think of Heavenly Sword. Oh, I think of Lair. Oh yeah, Lair. With its flying, because hmm. I think of Heavenly oh, Sword with, and with Flower. The... I actually think with Flower it was okay. Ugh, I that ruined Flower for me. Really, I Flower because of six axes. I mean, I don't think it was amazing, but I think it's like, oh, yeah, okay, it's, this this makes more sense than, you know, moving cannonballs in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what the hell? It's <laughs> such a bad... Im- oh, Heavenly Sword. I could... I, I could See, I liked Heavenly Sword other than that, and then it was like, this is dumb. <laughs> there's so, there, but there's so much... You, you could write a dissertation on Heavenly Sword. There's so much to talk <laughs> about in that game. There's loads. For a game that is really not that interesting, there is loads to talk about. Uh, maybe we will one day. Who knows? Yeah, I have a cool thing. All right. Um, you guys over there have a show on. I think it is HBO called Real Time with Bill Maher. Oh, I love him. Yeah, and I, you know, I we know him over here mostly through uh, stand up and movies, but we obviously we don't get HBO, mm-hmm. uh, so we don't really get his real time show. But we know the guy. I mean, uh, you know, Religious was. I think uh, a critical, if not a commercial hit over here. Um, I don't think it was necessarily a commercial hit anyway, it's not that kind of movie. Um, but we do know of him, of course, from some of his stand-up as well. But I've been more and more getting into his real-time show, and like, considering how screwed up you guys are there with your politics <laughs> and, and your government, and, and just generally how uh, without getting into it, it's just a very strange political setup that you guys have. Um, and this the the way you can have something like Fox News, uh, which is so unsubtle with its political leanings, and similarly, uh, you know, some of the the more left left wing, you know, NBC, whatever. It's it's his show. When I watch it, it comes across like it's it's really cool to see he him. Obviously, he has his viewpoint and he's willing to deliver it, but he's brings on. Uh, Republican guests or whatever, and he'll bring on right-wing guests. And I mean, I'm talking to the crowd of Americans who already know this. I apologise. This is more for British viewers. Um, 
or listeners, sorry. Yeah, he'll bring on Republican guests, and he will not shout them down. He'll give them the equal air. I mean, obviously, he'll, he might call them idiots to their face, but you know, <laughs> that's his that's his right, I guess. They'll do the same to him, and he'll just argue it back. Um, but it's like it's it's it feels a really obviously very left show, but very fair with it, and. Um, it's a surprise to see that it is on air. <laughs> it's it's just the way because the nature of of your politics over there. Uh, it, it's a it's strange. It's odd to me that this you, that you can have a show like that and it will say the things it will say and it doesn't change the political landscape completely. Like you still have this very set. I don't even know what I'm got talking about, but it's just it's odd to me. I, I just find I find American politics fascinating. <laughs> it's what I think I'm getting at. Fascinating here. is one word for it. Yeah, but because it, it, it's kind of. It seems a little bit broken, and my blog. To cut a long story short, <laughs> I like Real Bill Maher. I like Bill Maher, and I like his show. Nice. <laughs> I, I'll second real time with Bill Maher. Yay! So yeah, that's it. That's all the cool things. Cool and, things. Uh, look forward to more cool things and more game discussion next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Sinan, for for being here as usual. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for uh, having me. Everybody, if you like what you're listening to, go and give us a uh, a rating and review on on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever else you might find us. Um, check out GamerNode.com. And uh, Sinan mentioned the Game Critics podcast that he hosts. Yeah. Um, what else? Anything else, Sinan? Not that I can, not like I say. All right. And that's it. We'll see you next time. Adios. Adios. He sounded, he sounded like Luigi saying adios. Bye bye. <laughs>